Hello, beautiful people, and welcome back to A Living Color Abroad. I'm your host, Angel Rodriguez. And on this episode, you'll be listening to Shar, who has lived abroad in England. So Shar takes us through the steps she took to move abroad. She discusses getting proposed to in Costa Rica before she moved to England and what she said <laughs> to that proposal. Shar also talks about the work-life balance in the UK and compares that to the US. And finally, why she continues to live abroad. She's now lived abroad in the UK and now she's currently in Portugal. And why she feels that is critical to her growth. As she would say, go where you grow. Hope you enjoy. This is A Living Color Abroad. Welcome to In Living Color Abroad. How you doing? Doing well, doing well. How are you? I'm good, I'm good. Thank you for asking. So, Char, let's get right to it. Please tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Uh, yeah, so I am Char from Detroit originally. Um, my family or my people are from Jamaica, beautiful island of Jamaica. And I have been living abroad for over three years now. Initially, uh, starting out in London, I spent three years there and now four months in my new home in Lisbon, Portugal. So I'm an expat newbie here, but loving every moment of it. <laughs> Very cool. So let's go. Let's go right to the beginning. So this episode is going to be primarily based around your time in London, in England. But let's go back yep. to the beginning. So what is like what is your job? What do you do for a living? Yeah, so I started um, originally my first time abroad. I moved to London with my current company that I was with, and I was doing uh, technology consulting with one of the big four consulting firms. And, you know, I had always wanted to live abroad from the moment I started at that company. So the day I became like eligible to apply for an overseas opportunity, I um, definitely applied. And I remember everything was going so smoothly. And then there was a hiring freeze um, in London. So I was so heartbroken because I pretty much had to wait. Um, and then by the time they opened up or lifted the freeze, I uh, had been promoted, and so they made me apply all over and start the process all over again because I was coming for a new title uh, and, you know, all this other thing. So it was interesting because it took forever. But um, after five years with the firm, um, I was able to transfer to our London office temporarily. It was initially only two years, but I loved it so much. Um, I extended it for one more year, which was the max you could do um, on the type of visa that I was on. Mm. And it was just a really... London was such, it's such a dope city. It was a really amazing experience. So that's what inspired me to want to move abroad again um, once I returned back to the States. All right. So once you got the opportunity, when you knew you were going to London, what was going through your mind? I was so excited. I found out on Valentine's Day. You know what I mean? I remember like, this is the best <laughs> Valentine's Day ever. I was like single as a slice of cheese. But I was like, yo, I'm going to London. I was so so I remember I was I was on a project out in Cali, and I remember at the time um, my current like client lead boss, you know, person or whatever, my uh -huh. manager, he was like, no one ever gets those overseas overseas opportunities. And he was like super negative. I was like, yo, he's the first person I'm telling. <laughs> I cannot wait. <laughs> I was so excited because I just, I mean, in my mind. It was it it was no question I was going. I didn't. I don't even think um, at that point they had confirmed 
the salary, but they had confirmed like all the details of my offer, but they had confirmed that I had been, you know, like accepted, selected for the role. So I was really, really happy. Got it, got it. So take us a little bit through that process, right? Like obviously everyone has a different mm-hmm. journey into going abroad, how they found it. So what was the process? Did you have to do like an interview? Was it just sending over, you know, what was it a transfer? Like how did that exactly work? Oh, it was, yeah, so essentially the way it's set up when you do a, um, they call it a secondment, um, and internally um, over t- into the UK, I pretty much had to like search on our internal website that we had at the company. And the company's Deloitte Consulting, for anyone who's interested, um, really good company because it's global. We have offices everywhere. And through our internet site, you can see what global opportunities are available for moving overseas, mm. um, living overseas to a transfer. So I saw some positions, some roles. Um, I applied for quite a few of them. Um, most of them were London-based. I think I even applied to some in Amsterdam and some other places. Um, but the London one ended up being a really good fit because the title of the role that they had, that was the title of what I was doing currently. <laughs> so I would say the wow. first tip is to um, do make sure that you are aligned to what the role you're applying for in regards to like either your experience, background, interest, something. You know, there has to be some level of alignment. Like, are you a good fit? Um, they make you apply for these roles as if you are an external candidate. So I went mm. through the full interview process. Applying online, you get a screening done by um, a recruiter, like a, just a yeah. technical technology screening to make sure that you're even eligible. Um, our eligibility requirements meant that you had to be with the firm for at least two years and you had to be a high performer to be eligible right mm. like to even be considered and then you went through rounds of interviews um all of my interviews were done over the phone so they never flew me over for an interview um and then i remember when they had the freeze i had to do it all over again so and then the, what they have to do on their end is they manage that's one of the benefits of moving abroad through a company mm. they handle all of my visa process and all of the costs associated with the move. Right, right, so that right. was great because when I the second move that I've done is on my own as an entrepreneur it's totally different and it's, it was quite stressful because I'm managing the visa process and the approval and all the right. qualifications requirements background check you know that stuff but um, when you move through with the company they, they handle it for you and then when you land they even give you a paper your flight um, in my case at least they did pay for your flight they give you a settling in allowance, like mm-hmm. just to get settled, which is awesome because you know you have to pay deposits mm-hmm. and all these things on your housing. My housing was not covered, but they gave me temporary housing. But after that temporary housing ran out, I, I was on my own to find my own housing. Got it. That's such a great point because it's the same thing with me and teaching, right? Is that I'm I was hired through a company. And all the things that you mentioned, they also gave me, right? Like a settling in allowance. They do pay for some of my, of my uh, majority of my housing, actually. <laughs> um, and they take oh, care nice. They take care of, like you said, the, the that whole visa process. They take care of it. Even though, in my case, it was a disaster what happened to me, for those that are interested in listening to one of my episodes. But um, I won't get into that, yeah. but it was a disaster. But they do help you with that, which obviously, like you said, takes yes. a huge burden off your shoulders. Huge. The, the fact that they, they deal with that. And I'm sure I feel for you that you dealt with that just yourself going to Portugal. But let's think, let's think with London there. So that, that is a huge positive, I feel. Like you said, anyone that's wanting mm-hmm. to go abroad, if you do it through a company, if we're talking about if you want to keep your employee, employees happy, right? That's one way to do it. No one's going to want to go mm-hmm. abroad if you're like, well, you got to do this all yourself. Is it like, why well, want to go that hassle? <laughs> Exactly. And it's such an underrated privilege that you get our benefit because I didn't appreciate the work that they did until I had to do it myself. Right, 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 yeah. right, right. So now so now you you know you decided you're going abroad, you did an interview, congratulations, obviously that you got the job. 
what who did you tell like besides that friend that you told like what did your friends have to say what did your family have to say what were their reactions Oh man, um, I think everyone was excited and I think a couple people were shocked because a lot of people um, at my job, at least in people at my job who I told initially, they're like, man, no one ever gets those overseas, you know, whatever opportunities. And so I think a lot of people just never used to apply because they just thought, like, assume people didn't really get them. And I was so thrilled um, because I knew how, I just, it was just, a, it was just something I really wanted, I was really passionate about. So um, my mom was excited. Um, my like my family was happy and so were my friends and everyone like my well my closest friends were like oh we're coming to visit you know <laughs> so because i was moving somewhere that's pretty popular right. so people were already familiar geographically like where london is located and knew a little bit about london so that was one of the benefits about moving to london i'm moving to portugal people not so much you know like know where it's where it's at or know that right. much about the, the country isn't that so interesting that you just mentioned like you know people were, were happy for you and it, and I think it's related to what you just said, the fact that it's known, right? Like, everyone knows yes. London. And for people that want to go abroad, yeah, they, they go to London, right? Or they go visit. It's a popular yes. location to visit. So, but that's less likely the case if it's a place no one has been to, right? Or a, a yes. part of the world that one, one, hasn't visit, one has visited. Yeah. So, it's very, so you mentioned Portugal. Obviously, Portugal is less visited, I would think, than England is, right? Just based on yeah. America, right? Yeah. Based on people from America going uh, uh, abroad. So, that's such an interesting take that people have. When you know something, you're more likely to be, I guess, more positive about it. When you don't know about it, you're going to be more hesitant, right? And more like, oh, I don't know, you know, I don't know if you should do this, Char, (laughs) kind of thing. (laughs) And and it's all, and I really feel this, I don't know if if you agree, Char, it's really a projection. People project Mm -hmm. their own feelings and their own thoughts to you about whatever situation you're going to. What, so you're hitting the point enough right there with that with the first move because I was moving with the company you know I had the security of my job you know what I mean it was it was different right mm-hmm. this second move I mean the amount of insecure insecure projections I was getting from other people like are you sure you know would you consider this you know it was just so much questioning whether or not I thought it was a good idea and I was like well, you know I think a lot of you all couldn't see yourselves doing this and so that's why you're questioning if I should do it. <laughs> Right. So right, I had right, to right, deal right. with that. And it's it's hard when it comes from people that you love because you want them to be happy for you. Um, and so but I had to learn like you chose the right word. It's people other people projecting. And it doesn't mean they don't care and that mm-hmm, they're negative. Mm-hmm. It just means that it's really hard for someone to see something for you that they can't even see for themselves. Exactly. That, that's it. I mean, you can't you can't say better than that. That's exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so. All right. So England, you're on the flight. What do you know when you're on this flight? What did you already know you were going to miss from being back in the States? Oh, my gosh. I had such a <laughs> traumatic <laughs> flight experience. So my mother, I was living in Chicago at the time, but my flight was out of Detroit. My mother had thrown, planned a surprise going away party for me. Um, anyone who knows me knows that I am the most Procrast- like I'm the biggest procrastinator. <laughs> I procrastinate about very big things such as moving abroad. Um, I took my, they give you a little like gap window of time between when you, you know, leave your U.S. office to when you have to be um, in London in your host country. Mm-hmm. 
I chose to use that time to go to Costa Rica, surprisingly, where you uh, were. Check my, you out. <laughs> um, boyfriend at the time, and instead of doing my house search and all that stuff that I should have been using that time to do, I was trying to be a hot girl. So um, I was in Costa Rica living my best life. And we were going to break up anyway. So y'all don't even know why I was like risking it all, you know, for for this. Um, but again, I love traveling. And I was like, oh, I got a free week off or two weeks in Costa Rica. <laughs> <laughs> so we got to Costa Rica get back from Costa Rica and I had waited last minute to plan um, even down to, I needed like a, a bigger car, a rental truck, like a U-Haul type thing to mm-hmm. take my things from uh, Chicago to Detroit. Cause I was going to leave some things in storage. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that didn't work out. So I did not know my mom was throwing me a surprise party. And so I arrived in Detroit literally maybe three hours before my flight. It, no, it you're lying. You are lying. I'm, I am not. My mother, <laughs> it was the most, it, once I realized, and I think because my mother, of course, at some point she realized I wasn't going to make it. Um, <laughs> she had to, it was, it was, it was the craziest thing ever. So on my flight, I was opening up gifts. I was crying oh because I realized, like, oh my gosh, I disappointed my mother. She threw this emergency, I mean, this surprise party for me. And instead, it turned into me pulling up, trying to drop off the, the rental car. Oh, my God. It was, it was like, <laughs> when I tell you, it was the wildest thing ever. I, I, you couldn't even write this stuff up. And, it, and I, it's because I'm a procrastinator. And then I also, like, I have the nicest mother in the world. <laughs> um, and she never at any point was like, hey, we're throwing a surprise party for you. I think because she didn't want to stress me out. Right, right. Um, but it was just no vehicles available. It was so annoying. I was caught around the whole city, and I just could not get a car that I needed. And ended up having to get a van. And it was just ridiculous. So, yeah, I was on the flight crying because here I am reading all of these cards and letters. You know, people had um, my mom, you know, had cards and then my mother had made like a little she had gotten this globe engraved for me. And so I'm on the flight in tears. It's been like a total disappointment to my whole family because that's their last memory of me before I move abroad. Right. You rushing to leave. Yes. And then I'm mad at myself because I'm like, and then I, you know, going to Costa Rica with some dude that I knew I was going to break up with anyway because I was about to move abroad. Yo, that is, okay. It's a funny story now, but at the time that point, I very vividly remember crying and just crying most of the flight because I was like, man, this was my, you know, instead of having like a nice, you know, calm of course, device, of it was course. like a very, like everybody helped trying to unpack, unload the car and get this, get to, get to the airport. It was so crazy. So, I, yeah. I'm just, I'm so glad you brought that up, right? This, this like, like you know, I mean, obviously yours is a very, <laughs> very traumatic, so traumatic experience that you had <laughs> compared to like most experiences, but it, it reminds me of like my, like me just... Th- just the idea of getting packing bags to know that you're mm-hmm. moving somewhere, you know, as you, you don't know how permanent it's going to be, but you know, you're going to be gone for a while. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Like whatever you have mm-hmm. a contract or whatever. So when I, you know, when I left, I knew I was going to be gone for at least a year minimum. Yeah. So it's, yeah. A, it's a really, I don't want to say, emotional. yeah, it's emotional. And it's kind of like <laughs> harrowing. Cause honestly, and I'm sure you, you could agree, Char, you, the doubts, like, maybe not for you, but for me, the doubts just flood your head of, you're on you're on a flight you already made a decision but you're like is this still the right decision right because you already made it and you you can't go back back and you can't turn back that's such a huge like you know your apartment's gone whatever everything is gone that's it like your your life are in bags right now so wherever you're going is where you got to be and yes the emotional roller coaster that obviously you went through (laughs) but just in general of moving abroad that's one thing i actually haven't spoken so much to my guests about it's really something that you you have to experience it to really understand it 
of, you know, I guess like other big decisions, but is is more, I guess, more pressing when you're 30,000 feet in the <laughs> in the air and going to wherever you're going to, right? Like it, it's it's mm-hmm. so wild. Yeah, the best word, like you said, was emotional roller coaster. That's yeah. that's definitely a good way to describe it. Because you're also excited too, and the curiosity of, oh my gosh, I can't, I can't wait who I'm going to meet, who am I, you know what I mean? Just right, what am I right. Do? Where am I going to live? Yeah, so it's, it's a roller coaster. I would say that's the best, best way to say it. Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. All right, so let, let, let's not talk too much about this, but you did mention this, so I have to ask. So you were in a relationship before you moved abroad, right? Yeah. Okay. When did you know that because you were going abroad, therefore you could not be with this person? I mean, as soon as I got confirmation, that was... Oh, so as soon as you actually knew you were leaving. <laughs> yeah, because I don't I do not do long distance. Um, just mm. in the amount of attention I require, um, like physical attention. You know, like being with someone. Like, I don't want to, like, oh, through the phone and stuff. So I kind of knew. Um, but I also, I think, operate a little bit from the perspective of I'm very pragmatic and, like, realistic. And so I knew... Um, I wanted to have the full London experience. I didn't want anything holding me back. Mm. So in my mind, I was like, one, this is a really, you know, nice guy. And I, I liked him, but it wasn't my forever guy. And I said, if it, if he is supposed to be my forever guy, then the universe will work it out so that we end up back together. You know? Right, <laughs> but, right, right, right. Um, he actually proposed to me in Costa Rica. Oh. It really, yeah, it was really, um, what's the right word to use? I was a lot because um, I I think he was doing it more so like as a control thing. I don't think he really really wanted to. We we hadn't mm. been dating for six months at that point. So, oh wow! Um, I think he just I think it was more of a, like trying to get me to stay. If you mm. know what I mean. Gotcha, I don't think gotcha. it was because we really. So yeah, um, I'm mean, to this day we're still friends, but then he didn't talk to me for the rest. of the <laughs> I could imagine. So, um, Talking to you, like you just mentioned, you, you you consider yourself to be pragmatic. Like just in the way you speak, you sound very pragmatic in, in just yeah. the, in, in the way you are. And I think, I mean, you've gone through some pretty crazy experiences before you moved abroad, and so to deal with those situations, right, and, and particularly in that situation, getting proposed to in Costa Rica out of all places, um, yeah. and you deciding to say no because you already know what you want and what you need. I think that's a good advice yeah. for those that are listening. Is like. You have to know, you have to have a really good foundation on, like, who you are. Yeah, yeah, your sense of self. And especially when you do something that's completely foreign and and unknown to you. Like, you have to Mm -hmm. be centered in who you are. And that that makes it much easier, in my opinion, to really transition to something new. When you already, like, you have a good foundation of, all right, this is is Shard. This is Angel, right? So this is, that's such a huge thing, I think, for people that that are thinking of moving abroad or living abroad. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, you're giving so much good advice. I mean, that's 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 really important because um, you will be, and um, how can I say this? A lot of things that you thought you knew and you thought and your your biases will be challenged, and you know, mm-hmm. just beliefs that you had, not just about yourself, but about like how you view the world, politics, living lifestyle, um, culture. All of these things will get challenged, right? And so, a good sense of self will help you stay grounded at the end of the day through the experience. Right, right, right. Um, all right. So, 
Thank you for taking me through that experience. That was really awesome. All right. So now you're in England. You're London. All right. What's the f- you get there? You're like, what's the first thing that you need to do, Char, when you're in London? You're like, I gotta go do this. I'm here. What is it? Find housing. <laughs> <laughs> Supposed to. Um, no, so I when I started out, I thought in my mind I was gonna be on this like whirlwind of like making friends and like hanging out and exploring the city. And I ended up on a really difficult pro- when I say difficult project, it was very time consuming. Um, because I was American, um, they put me on a project working with other Americans. I was like, no, that's not why I came over here. <laughs> but, um, but the project, you know, and, and what I mean by that is, you know, working with other Americans, they weren't as laid back as the UK team normally is. So I was working these crazy hours. And my first three to four months were just really hectic. When I say long hours, I was working till like 11 p.m. Whoa. Um, getting here early in the morning. And I remember... Um, at one point, I had a little mini breakdown because it was just too much. Like, my dad was sick back at home, um, and my sister had called me, like, I think you need to come home. Meaning, you know, like, oh, my gosh, is this it? You know, I didn't right. know. And I remember, instead of immediately getting up, booking a ticket, I was, like, scared to ask if I could go home. Like, it's so silly now, like, thinking about mm-hmm. he's No, he survived that time or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and But it was one of those moments where... Um, I was upset with myself for, you know, like choosing work over, you know, like, you know, something really important, like my family right. and being there for my family. Right. Being there for my sister as well, who was healthcare surrogate for my dad. And so, um, yeah, my first couple of months were really rough, but I had too much pride to let anyone know that I was struggling. Mm. So on the outside, I'm like, yeah, everything is fine. I'm loving it. But deep down, I was working really hard, working long hours and I hadn't made any friends um, and then that didn't change until I finally decided um, to roll myself off that project because I was like, I can't do this anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then also uh, meet friends. Like I, I had not made any effort. I'm an introvert, believe it or not. And <laughs> I finally decided to make some friends. And, and what I mean by that is like reach out to people um, like through Instagram. I know that sounds really weird because I also mm-hmm. thought it was weird. But, you know, I reached out to someone via Instagram. Um, there was a, a black chick who was featured on Travel Noir. And it was like an American living in the UK. And I was like, I'm an American living in the UK. (laughs) Not awkward at all. But I just reached out to her and she ended up being one of my closest friends and eventually my roommate. Um, And once I met her, I found it easier to meet other people, to date, you know, because we were going out. I wasn't like, you know, going solo anymore out. And, um, you know, it was just it was it was nice to have friends. And then we met other people, too. So. Um, but the first, first, first couple of months were really, really rough. And it wasn't until I started making friends that I started to explore the city more and really have the full London experience. So I would encourage people to definitely build a community. Awesome. Awesome. So let's, so let's talk about that London experience. So obviously you lived in big cities, right? You, you know, you Chicago, Atlanta, right? Detroit. So immediately having that in your, like your back pocket, right? Of experiences, Charles experiences. Once you got a feel for London, how will you describe it in comparison to like what you've known at that to, at that point. Man, London is like, oh, what's a good word to use? It is, it, London is the best city that I have lived in. Okay? Oh, wow. So, okay. Hands down, London is, and I say that because it's, it's so diverse and it's not just diverse, but it's also integrated. Whereas a lot of places may have a lot of different cultures represented, but mm-hmm. they're in their own little pockets, like kind of mm-hmm. segregated, right? Okay. I feel like there is so is so much variety. You can find your tribe easily, regardless of what your interests are. And it's a lot of exposure to different cultures. Um, 
And I really, really love that about London. And I think that's what makes London so like beautiful and just such a beautiful experience because you could just meet people from everywhere around the world and um and, and not just like diverse culturally i think they're diverse even like when you go to places and events like by age and mm. just understanding of life like people just have different lifestyles you know so i found it easy to be myself there because of the fact that there's so many different people so you know you're not kind of forced to be you know a certain way or to fit in it's like if you want to just be yourself it's it's, it's organic it, you can you can be yourself there right and, and while you were experiencing that um, this, you know, this diverse culture and this integration. How did you feel that you fit into that? Yeah, I think I definitely fit in with the like the the cultural um, interests, like the traveling folks, you know. <laughs> so, mm. and a lot of I did, I did kind of get in really deep with the expat community. Um, I mean, of course, I made friends, like local friends who like live there, but I also like found myself finding a lot of. Uh, companionship in the expat community because these are people who love to travel. They were courageous. They were just doing inspiring things. And I was like, this is my tribe. Like I just met, I found it very easy to meet pretty inspiring and awesome people um, abroad. And also I found that they travel a lot more, you know, abroad. So that was, you know, with that being my biggest passion, I was like, man, I had people to travel with, like total strangers I could travel with. It was, it was really nice. Um, and, and in London, you know, you can catch a flight abroad somewhere super cheap. Mm. So that's wild. All right. So of course mm-hmm. you have all these, like, you know, you think of all these stereotypes and misconceptions you have of British people, right? The the accent, <laughs> very fancy, sipping tea or whatever the case may be, you know, yeah. they're mad for football and stuff like that. Um, yes. so what, what did you, what misconceptions did you have when you were interacting with the locals? So let's not talk about the expats, but the locals in particular, what did you think? And then what did you find out through your experiences? Um, I did not realize that Londoners were as diverse as they are. So that was the mm. biggest thing, like just in regards to people I would meet from very different walks of life. Um, Oh, there was this misconception that all of them have really bad teeth. <laughs> and that wasn't true. That wasn't true. true. Okay, that's good. <laughs> no, I mean, there's some cases, but it's not, it's not, you know what I mean? You can get, actually, one of my, the best dental treatments that I had was over in the UK um, for like 40 pounds. It was crazy because, you know, how much, I know how much that would have cost me in the US. And right. they are obsessed with football. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? It's like <laughs> a big deal over there. Right. For, um, for those that like, we're talking football. about soccer, football, soccer. For those that are listening, Sorry, yeah. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. Let me be clear. U.S. <laughs> soccer, but what the rest of the world calls fo- football. Yeah, football, yeah, yeah. exactly right. Yeah. Um, and so you know, me not being into sports, I never really cared. I was like, okay. <laughs> like, I've had a boyfriend, we had like big arguments over like the whole football thing. I'm like, we're on a trip abroad and you're sitting here trying to watch football. <laughs> like, <laughs> and also this idea of like, they are quite, I find the culture to be quite passive aggressive, mm. which I didn't expect. I thought they would be more direct, you know? Okay. Um, but they are quite, pa- I find the culture to be quite passive aggressive, especially in the workplace. Interesting. And you're talking about locals, not just people that work. Yeah, yeah, okay, locals, yeah. Like the local culture just being a bit, you know, like trying to be politically correct and stuff instead of just saying what they want to say. Interesting. And you feel in the U.S. is more direct, right? Because I feel it is more direct too in the U.S. The U.S. is, yeah, compared to London and the U.S., we were super direct. So it, it actually worked in my favor at work 
right. because when people wanted to get things done or they just knew like 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 Charlotte would get it done like because I just wasn't I didn't play any games like I, I, and I didn't feel <laughs> and I feel like they could excuse it and be like I wouldn't be considered rude because right, I was American right. like, also cultural things she's American so they let it slide but so, deep down I was like yeah I'm so also, let's talk about that right because because as, mm-hmm. as you know one, one real thing about you know the, the, the some tropes that are, that are said about people from America, but in particular black women is this angry black women thing, right? So you being direct, right? Did you ever feel now that you were like in a different culture that you're going to be, obviously there's black people in London, right? But you said they're more passive aggressive, Mm -hmm. the locals or whatever. Did you feel you're going to be labeled as like, all right, here's another American or here's another American and an angry black woman that's American? Yeah. I'm so glad you brought that up. I got treated really well abroad. Um, and that's one of the reasons why I moved back abroad, um, especially in the workplace. There was mm-hmm. a level of respect that was given to me that I felt like in the U.S. it was a constant validation exercise, mm-hmm. whereas the default was me being treated well at work and with respect. And what does that mean? You know, like, you know, not being talked over, not being passed over opportunities, um, being given an appropriate team to match my title, you know, things like that. Whereas in the U.S., I felt like it was this constant validation exercise, you know, having to fight to get a team, um, just basic things as a manager, right? Like, mm-hmm. how do you manager and not have a team? And so in the U.K., it was just so easy to lead um i found it so easy to be able to be a manager to do certain things and just get work done um i didn't feel like i had to navigate through as much the whole uh politics of my blackness first right Mm. i just didn't have to navigate through that abroad now i don't think that's everyone's experience because there's another black woman that i recently connected with and she has a totally different experience than okay. I did. So like she felt like she was treated better in the US than she was in the UK. Okay. Um but she's also she was higher level than me and so she was just saying she thinks that played a role in it as well. Gotcha, gotcha. So in the professional spaces you in in your particular experience you were treated better in the UK. Far uh, better. Far better. Yeah, okay, and I was wow. pro- I was protected by my leads when I was faced with any issues, um, whether it be from the client or actually yeah, from the client or whatever. I felt protected. You know, in the US I did not feel that way. And I had to validate my des- my why I deserve to be in right, this, in certain right. spaces. Yeah, right. but I did not feel that way in the UK. Um and I do wanna say I think what played a role in it as an expat and an American expat I think that played a role in them accepting me, right? Mm. There's a certain level of privilege and class that comes with that experience Mm. that I don't want to not talk about. So I don't know if it was as much. Um, I think that London and other parts of the world are far more classist than racist, meaning that the privilege of me being an American is um, gives me some certain access and benefits um, to the point where I get, treated better as an American in, on foreign soil than I do on American soil. Right, right. And anyone listening yeah. to my, as a regular listener to my podcast, they will hear this theme over and over and over again of people's experiences of black and brown people that they get treated better abroad because of their Americanness, right? And their blackness comes second to, you know, it's yes. like, oh, but you're American, oh, so so it's all good, right? <laughs> so you say, yeah. or, or classist, oh, you, you're you in a professional space, so of course we're going to respect you. Yes. You're my manager, so of course we're yes. going to respect you. So I totally, yeah, yes. that, that's definitely, uh, I'm glad you brought that up. Um, but all right, so now let's talk about um, lifestyle, right? Because me coming to Costa Rica versus the U.S., the, the, the lifestyle here obviously is completely different um, to the U.S., and there's certain things that I miss in the U.S. as far as, like, Things being done in a more quicker manner than maybe here, <laughs> um, here in Costa Rica. Yeah. So, but I do appreciate that it's laid back as far as work is concerned. Like while there are mm-hmm. deadlines that we have to meet at work, I still it still feels less pressure 
than I did while I was working in the States. So do you now feel in your job, where you worked, right, in, in London, did you feel that you, it was more laid back and you could chill a little bit more even though you had a high position in your company? I felt like there's more work-life balance. So mm. um, they may not be as chill. I think chill may be a misleading word, like Portugal is chill. <laughs> like, <laughs> but I'm also not working in a professional setting here, so Got I'm it. not sure what it's like working. But um, London, to me, they were still, like, you know, the type of, you know, people who are ambitious. But there was a balance there that I could appreciate. So to give you an example, um, on my very first project, working with the American team still, even though I was in London, they put me with the American team. Um, those hours were crazy and ridiculous. And so I was like, oh, man, I thought I was going to be chilling and relaxing here. <laughs> um, but then once I started working with the UK teams, like I said, there was a level of respect in regards to people taking, like, ownership for having a certain amount of time off and just, you know, respecting vacations. And they, like, I remember the first time... Um, we locked up, so I saw someone lock up their laptop in the little locker at work. I was like, whoa, you're not taking your laptop with you? Like, what if someone messages you, you know, and they and it was just like, my mind was like, blown, like literally blown. I couldn't, I just couldn't, I understand this concept of not being available, mm, you know? Mm. So they locked up their laptops. They have, they have lockers in the office for you to leave your laptop so that you don't That's have amazing. to. Yeah, I was like, but that I'm just giving you that as an example right, because right. I was like, that's profound because in the U.S. you would never, they'll rather have you risk <laughs> getting that laptop stolen than keeping it attached to your hip pretty much, okay? Um, so, and that's the one thing, like, you know, I didn't have this whole weekend work. Um, that was not a norm. Weekend work was not the norm with the U.K. team. And also, there was just a level of respect for vacation time um, and you're encouraged to take vacation and it's not absurd for someone to be off for two and three weeks. So <laughs> I, I really love the balance that was more intuitive. Like it was more like just naturally respected. Interesting. Interesting. So, all right. So now we're, we're getting to uh, the last segment of, of London here in the pot in the episode. So and I just thought as you were talking, I thought about this. What are some things that you think the U.S., right, being from where you were born, can learn from the U.K.? I think um, police reform. <laughs> like, we need to <laughs> rethink um, how we, you know, are, are just the way they do the policing, policing system. So the police are actually, no, maybe I say policing, gun control. Mm. That's probably more accurate. Um, I think that we need to rethink gun control as a nation for sure. It's a very big problem, but also unnecessary problem for us to be having right um you can look at other nations that used to have guns that no longer have them that have done this successfully and don't deal with the mass shootings and other things that we deal with on the u.s on the regular um even the way with the policing and i granted i know there are exceptions and there are neighborhoods specifically some of the poor are black neighborhoods where they do um like abuse their power but um i know like the way that police brutality takes place in the u.s is completely unacceptable and saying um we've normalized it there you know we're a bit decent sensitized to it but abroad you know the, the inter my interactions with the police were very very calm even when we were marching and doing other protests and things like that they did not meet us with violence at mm. all they actually were like guiding traffic <laughs> away from us and stuff like that so um it was a much different interaction with the police okay. um so that's one major thing those two things policing and gun control i would say america could definitely take some notes from the UK, got it. And what about yeah, in the other, the other direction? What do you think some of the UK can learn from the US? 
Um, definitely the whole process for getting settled, setting up a bank account is very antiquated out back there. Like it's just it's so old fashioned with the way they do it. They mail you everything. Um, I remember getting locked out of my bank account when I returned back to the U.S. I still had my U.K. account. And I was just frustrated because I was like, yo, I'm never going to get access to this account. And luckily, I was able to fly back and, you know, fix everything. But I was like, what if I wasn't able to fly back? Y'all just going to have my money, like, with me having no right. access to it? Right, right. So, um, yeah, that's one of the things I would really say. Like, the process of setting up a bank in the U.K. is insane. And in the U.S., it's more streamlined. Um, and it's more up to date, like, you know, like where you can do things by phone and other stuff like that. Right. So I definitely feel, I totally agree with you in that. Obviously, I have not lived, I'm thinking about Costa Rica or just, people mention this yeah. a lot though. Kind of like the ease to access to a lot of different things, right? In the U.S. Yeah. It's like, yeah. it's just, it's like another level completely. It's just like, it's just, yeah. it's just wild, right? So, and, and like leaving that is really like, oh, People do it differently around here. Okay. They sure do. They take their time, too. They take their time. Yes, their time. Not your time. They take their time. Yeah. I remember going into a store once, and let's say it was 745, and they were closing at maybe like 8, even could have been 830, whatever the time was. They wouldn't even let me go into the fitting room. They like, and I used to always joke around and say they're not trying to make money out here. <laughs> they're really not trying to make money. They're really not trying to make money out here. I couldn't, like, in the U.S., that would never happen. Like, and maybe it wasn't 15 minutes, but you get what I mean. Like, it was yeah, enough, of course, of like, course. For you to get like, fitted. Yeah, no, yeah. you can't even try on the clothes. Like, gotcha, you didn't want gotcha. to try on the clothes. All right, now you're in Portugal, right? But let's, so let's ask some lightning round questions. Now that you've mm-hmm. left uh, London and England, because I think it's always interesting when you leave, right? And now you go somewhere mm-hmm. else. So, all right, so what number one thing that you miss from living in the UK? Dating. <laughs> <laughs> I love dating in London and the ease at which I could meet compatible men and how fun they were. Um, Like, you know, like they just interesting people. And I am here in Portugal. It's been four months total so far. And I'm like, I may be single out here because I don't know how this is going to work. But it's also lockdown. So I have to be fair. You know, I'm not having the same social opportunities. Right. But um, I miss London and being able to go to the club or go out and meet three different guys and two out of the three be like solid prospects. (laughs) Don't get me me started on dating here. Don't get me started on dating here. That's that's what they got missed from from New York. So. Don't forget, I have you covered, okay? Oh, that's right, that's right, that's right. Yeah. In the app, in the app, in the expat yeah. app, we yes, have a, yes, a yes, nice yes. number of uh, ladies. <laughs> I don't know if they're, their relationship status. Right, right, right. Ladies, yeah. <laughs> Sounds good. So, so, all right, yeah. so you miss dating in the UK. What's one thing you don't miss from living in the UK? The cost of living is <laughs> astronomical. It's so expensive there. So that the way, so one of the reasons I'm in Lisbon is because, you know, I'm doing my own thing as an entrepreneur and, you know, primarily off my savings right now because I was taking a gap year when all the mm-hmm. pandemic hit. Right. And London's just really expensive. And I was like, you know, I can't afford to live the way I want to live. You know, I want to be comfortable um, in London. And so that's when I also started to look at other uh, options for being abroad because I still wanted the abroad experience, but I didn't want that London price tag. So, mm, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. What's one access of everyone? What's one like phrase or saying that you like that you, uh, that you miss hearing, I guess in London. Are you not American? <laughs> <laughs> So, guys, 
lastly, or even anyone, like you would be out somewhere, and there's a lot of Americans out there, but um, when someone would hear your accent, it was an easy way to meet people because, you know, they would hear your accent, and they'd be like, are you not American? And I would get so excited. Like, yes, I am. I am. America, that country, we phrase, whatever. I don't even know what the <laughs> Anyways, I was, I was like super patriotic in those moments because I was like, yes, I, I am American. Right, <laughs> Trying so- to pick up guys. Um, yeah. <laughs> very nice. Very nice. All right. And what's, all right. So now this is a final, final question. Now that you've lived abroad in, in multiple places now, right? London, now in Portugal. What's one piece of advice will you give someone that's also going to transition from living abroad in one country to now living abroad in another, what would be your advice to those individuals? I really, uh, I have this random personal mantra. Actually, it's not random. It's very intentional. (laughs) And it's, you know, it's go where you grow and never stop exploring. Like, just listen to yourself, listen to the universe. The universe will let you know where you belong. That's how I ended up in Lisbon. Um, There are so, there's so much to see. Um, And it's just the growth, your growth game is so strong when you're abroad. It's whether you like where you end up or not, I always say give it a try because um, you just never know what type of experiences you're going to have. And there's very frequent moments where I'm like, I'm so glad I chose this life because it's so rewarding, even with the sacrifices, even with the fear um, and, you know, the challenge that you may deal with. That's like minimal compared to the benefit um, that you, you know, get internally and just the friendships you make, relationships. It's one of those things that you, it's hard to describe. You just have to experience it. And I just really encourage people, like, don't let anything hold you back if you're trying to go abroad again <laughs> or for the first time. Um, definitely go for it. And it's worthwhile. And it's definitely an experience that I will, like, when I say like top three decisions in life, is yeah, moving abroad is in the top three. you enjoyed that episode with Shar. I most definitely did. Um, again, that last part, I love the last segment of my episodes because I think all of my guests always just give some great advice and wisdom about living abroad and this idea of going where you grow. I just, I just stuck with me. I think it's such a great piece of advice, whether that's abroad, whether that's domestically, whether that's a different job, go with where you grow. I think there's no better advice than that. <laughs> and specifically when it comes to like moving uh, different places, right? Um, so yeah, I definitely enjoy that. And Shara's an amazing person. Please check out her. She's an entrepreneur. She has an a app called the Expat app, which is captures the black experience uh, living abroad and people have connected through there. It's growing super fast. You can check her out on Clubhouse. She's always uh, leading different talks on different subjects about living abroad. Just super dope stuff. And also she's going to invite me to talk on her podcast slash page that she has on Instagram. So be sure to check that out, um, which will be airing on Saturday. I'll let you know more about that when it comes out. But yeah, definitely enjoyed that. So grateful to have her on. She was just amazing to talk to. But yeah. So I know I've been gone for a little bit. I apologize. It's been two weeks. I know. Terrible me. Terrible me. But as I said, I always promise to have an episode dope stuff for you. I promise next week I will release an episode. You know why I know that? Because it's recorded already. On next week's episode, you'll be listening to a pilot. That's right, a pilot. Someone that I graduated high school with is an airline pilot, and he has not lived abroad, but he is obviously he flies around the world, and he's going to talk about his life as a pilot and why he became a pilot. I enjoyed that episode so much. We spoke for such a long time. I know you're going you're gonna to look forward to that episode coming next week, all right? 
promise you, I promise. <laughs> so as always, if you like what you hear, please leave a review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Follow me on Spotify and any of your other favorite streaming platforms. And of course, follow my Instagram page at Abroad. See you next week. For real this time. <laughs> this is A Living Color Abroad. Peace.